You're listening to the Truth Revolution Records podcast. We're here with Mr. Willie Martinez. He's played with everybody from TK Blue to uh, Hilton Ruiz, Ray Vega, Ray De La Paz, and Azuquita. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Johnny Colon. Johnny Colon. Everybody. And um, I remember when I first came to New York and um, actually saw him play. It was at New Yorican Poets Cafe. And man, this guy is amazing. I think uh, I told my brother about him. He he already knew. And um, uh, I saw his band a couple times, and just absolutely floored. I love his band, La Familia, mm-hmm. right? La Familia Sextet. That's right. Yeah. So we're you know lucky and honored to have uh, Mr. Willie Martinez here with us at the Truth Revolution Studios, and. Um, yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, man. I'm very flattered to be here. Oh, you know it. We're um, going to talk about anything you'd like to talk about, really. I, I, I want to have a focus. Um, and we're also here with Brevin Hamden. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure. Pleasure. I'm so used to doing this by myself that I, 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 I didn't even see him there. <laughs> <laughs> All good, baby. We good. Thank you but, for uh, having me, man, for sure. Yeah, when I told him that uh, Willie was going to be here, he was like, man, I have all these questions. He just showed them to me. So, I mean, I really think you guys are going to be uh, very interested in um, what Willie has to say. And I, I, I have a bunch of questions, and um, hopefully we can get to the bottom of, in our minds, what is modern Latin jazz, what's happening on the scene in New York, and what has been happening on the scene for a while. I think um, he has a lot of knowledge in, um, to, to share with us. So, um, Brevin, thank you for being here. Hey, man. Once again, thank you for having me, brother. <laughs> so Ray, um, for to get us started, um, would you like to mention, um, you know, how you got started on the scene with music and uh, your your background? Well, uh, my grandparents came from the island of Puerto Rico in the mid twenties and settled in Dumbo, Brooklyn, and Fort Greene. And um, my parents were born in that same neighborhood. And then uh, me and my brothers were born also in downtown Brooklyn as well. So. Um, we grew up fairly American in terms of what we were listening to musically and, uh, and our experience culturally. Um, but my father was a great lover of music. Um, my father, by profession, was a, was a, uh, a tailor. But he, uh, he danced at the Palladium back in, in the original Palladium on 52nd Street. Oh, okay. And... Um, he was always in there with his sisters. He had he had three sisters, and they had all their steps worked out, so they would be consistently winning the dance contests there. My father was an amazing wow. dancer, wow. and so he, that's where I think I get my rhythm from because he had tremendous rhythm, and and so uh, he had. He, he he collected records, so he I, I you know I still have a ton of I had do have a, all of his vinyl, and. Uh, you know, he had a collection that w- went anywhere from like Jug Ammons to Tito Puente right. to Sarah Vaughan to Billy Eckstein to oh, Stanley wow. Turrentine wow. and then to Machito and Tito Rodriguez. And, and, and so I was listening to a very broad spectrum of stuff. And then he had like, you know, he had the, the, the soundtrack to West Side Story and, and, and he had, you know, a lot of other stuff that was like, you know, in different, a whole different bag. So um, I grew up, my brothers and I, I have two brothers. Um, I'm the oldest of three sons. And we all were down there in the basement 
listening to records all the time. That's all we did. All we did was just listen to records. And then my parents entertained like every weekend, it seemed. It seemed like every Saturday there was a hang at our house. So the food was there. The drinks were flowing. The music was pumping. People were dancing. And so I just grew up in, in that whole hang, you know, and so I got a chance to listen to the music. I'm a great lover of dance as well. So to watch these people dance the way they dance, that's like, to me, um, amazing, you know, right. just the way two people can make something so special out of the rhythms uh, with their feet. That's just an incredible thing. So anyway, that, I think that was my first exposure to, you know, or that what started inspiring my love of music. And uh, and then later on, I uh, I, w- I went to Catholic school and I was I sang in the choir for like five or six years, mm-hmm. so that was great because the choir master, Mr. Kenny, was a wonderful organist and and, and a really good uh, vocal coach, and so he had there were about thirty of us in the choir, so it was a it was big big choir. And uh, and that's where I kind of started really appreciating harmony and theory and, and stuff like that. So, and and it was cool because I had so much music in my head. It was nice to to basically start getting this little foundation of how to hear things and, and hear harmony with things and stuff like that. Right. So that that kind of the beginning of uh, of where it started. My dad had a pair of timbales in the attic. And uh, that I found, I still have them. They were these little copper Ludwig, um, wow, with real skin on them. Oh, okay. But the skin was split. Well, I actually split them at one point. <laughs> but you know, back in the day, they had these hangers that were made of wood, and then there was a dowel that was screwed into the hanger that would help keep your pants from falling off of the hanger. Right. So. When you went up to the attic where they stored the winter clothes and stuff like that, all the pants were on the floor because I had unscrewed all the dowels from the hangers. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's what I used as timbal sticks. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And so uh, that was my first source of, of, of drumsticks. And so I was up in the attic hitting this thing, hitting the drums. And then um, I remember when I started going to high school, you know, and this is when I'm like 10, 10 years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I went to high school, I went to uh, Brooklyn Technical High School uh, in Fort Greene, and back on Fulton Street, there was this store called The Wiz, and The Wiz was kind of like where DJs went to buy DJ equipment, but they also uh, sold records, and they also sold some musical instruments, like LP products were sold there. So they had a pair of LP timbales in the window. And I was like jonesing heavily on these timbales. I'd walk by there <laughs> right. and I'd look at them of course, and yeah. s- slobber all over the place. Oh yeah. And I'd brought my dad over there to look at them and he'd grunt and say, "Yeah, okay." And months, months went by, and then uh, finally he broke down and he bought them for me. Wow. So that was probably at the age of fourteen, uh, fifteen, and then the timbales became a the center of the universe in the basement <laughs> and then i started playing really really being able since i had a good instrument i was able to play along with the the records uh-huh. and uh things that i listened to were were like cal jader you know yeah. because you could really hear what willie bobo was playing and it was easy to 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 to, to lock with him right. you know and with mongol mm-hmm. and then also i would like love playing along to like uh tipica 73 oh yeah, yeah because uh, nicky morero is like one of my 
the biggest influences. You know, right. my, if I if if you were to ask me what I hope to achieve as a drummer, I always just wanted to bring Philly Joe and Nicky Marrero together. Uh, wow, I hear you. In 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 one in one human being, right? right. And ha- and have their qu- their qualities together on a drum set and that's what i always try to strive for along with willie bobo because willie's a really big influence on me as well as tito nice. you know but but willie was man, so slick man yeah. his oh. his bell playing was just yep. so slick and so loose and he was also a fine trap drummer a lot of people don't realize yeah. that you know he's on prisoner and yeah yeah what's the uh, inventions and dimensions inventions and dimensions yeah, that. yeah. not prisoner that. Uh, inventions and dimensions Although I have to say I I don't know when I listen to that record and I've listened to it quite a bit I don't know if Willie's playing drums on all of it. That's what I said too. Yeah, I don't think so. I said that too. I yeah. think that there's two drummers on there and because it's kind of clear two different voices. Yeah, yeah. well, two different yeah. voices. But the the main thing is you know the, the first way and I'm sure you have this experience especially for drummers or, or or percussionists the first thing that we notice and pianists too first thing we notice is touch. Yeah. And yeah. and you hear two completely different palettes in touch on the record. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And what I heard though, I heard that Tony w- was hanging around those sessions, just hanging. All right, mm. I, I could be. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised, man, right. if Tony just got up in there and, and there's no mention of him, right? Like, because when I listen to him, it sounds like him a little bit, uh-huh. you know, and, Definitely. and uh, the vocabulary, the yeah, touch, exactly, you know. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, w- I would. Um, I would listen to, and then I I didn't have a drum set yet, but I then I, I, I would love listening to my father liked Love Sinatra as well, oh, so okay. I would listen to those Nelson Riddle arrangements with, and it was so swinging, you know, the the, yeah. the, the drumming was, and a lot oh. of it was with Count Basie, Sonny Payne was That's playing right. drums, on, and you're sitting there and you're like, wow, you can't <laughs> believe a human being can swing like that, mm-hmm. so. I, I really, you know, got addicted to, to big band, the big band sound and, and, and the drummer's role within a big band. And um, I didn't play along to those records as much because later on as a teenager, I wound up playing a lot of weddings and stuff. So I was, or that's where I wound mm-hmm. up getting a taste of playing big band charts and stuff like that. Okay. Playing weddings. Wow. And... Um, Anyway, I'm, I don't know whether I'm in the right direction here. but Yeah, that's a great direction. I, I was just about to say, I, I was going to jump in there and just mention how much I love your approach, um, just playing with you, you know, whenever we actually play, whether it's with Mitch Froman or not. And I know that, like, your, your approach has everything that I look for in drummers, um, coming from the jazz side, coming from the Latin side. And, and one thing to note that I talk to a lot of people about is um, the fact that the study of salsa and the study of jazz it's not the study of latin jazz i mean is the least important thing the study of salsa and the study of jazz is where you kind of you know get that i mean i mean is that i totally agree i totally agree they're they're really two very different things um the vocabularies are different the uh the role of of the drummer or percussionist is different right um and then also what's important uh, you know, later on, I guess we'll we'll touch into like modern Latin jazz or what what is, you know, because now Latin jazz is really yeah, it's, it's a crazy past. right um, umbrella, yeah. right. But um, what I find is that I don't know how many of the young musicians who are out there playing now really had an experience, have the experience of playing for dancers. 
You know what I mean? Right. And, and, yeah. and playing five sets <laughs> that ended three o'clock in the morning yep. right. for people that only want to hear ching, 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 you know, like they yeah. just want to hear matcha, you know what I mean? Right. And, and so, and, and, and you know, if you, you hit the symbol, everybody goes, yo. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like they want time. Right. right. So the, the time is ingrained in that experience, you know, I, I, and, and I feel blessed for that because, you know, I, I'm able to incorporate that now with the interplay and then again, you have jazz where there is comping, right? And where there is this in, um, this connectivity between the rhythm section and the soloist, whoever that soloist might be, where there's interplay, right? Sure. And so it's exciting to be able to stay in the pocket Latin-wise, but then also make this commentary with the this added commentary with the soloist, right. and that's something that I've always tried to be about as a drummer. Right. So I, but I have to say I'm very appreciative of your words, and you know I'm 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 uh, very humbled that 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 um, that you feel that way about my drumming. I really appreciate that. Yeah, man. I'm, I mean, it's the truth. Hey. Well, you have you have something, Brevin? Definitely. I uh, <laughs> I know I know you you've talked about having uh, exposure and, and playing a lot of different styles of music. Um, what were some of the uh, influences coming from like straight ahead American jazz drummers or uh, artists that like you really dug into that you really checked out and studied? Well, you, you know what's interesting is that uh, I, I'll get into the jazz cats, but mm -hmm. but again, to, to just to hit my parents the way they grew up. My, the, my parents grew up in Brooklyn during the rock and roll, the birth of rock and roll. Ah, uh, okay. So, mm -hmm. yeah, they would. He, my father was and, and my mom were listening to Tito Rodriguez and Tito Puente, but they were also there when all that started happening. So that influenced their musical thing right. as well. Right. And then when you see what happened in the '60s with the with the connection of of R and B and blues with Latin music to, to form Boogaloo, definitely, yeah. you know. Which I absolutely love. Oh, oh me too. I know it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> then you. I know I shouldn't, but I do. <laughs> you see how how New Yorkans have this very special experience of being in a place where all of this is fusing together in real time. Right. Definitely. So it's a beautiful thing. Now, to get back to your question, again, I grew up as a teenager in the 70s, mm -hmm. so we were, I was listening to early disco Right. back when they were live rhythm sections. Oh, okay. Playing behind Donna Summers, playing sure. behind Gloria Gaynor, playing... Those were some of the hippest right. studio musicians in the world. Yeah. yeah. And Definitely. they were swinging their booties off. Right, right. I mean, the grooves were ridiculous. I mean, later on, it became more technical and, and, and sure. more, more about drum machines and stuff like that. But back in, in, in those early days of disco, you know, a lot of people frown upon it because of Saturday Night Fever and the whole, right. that whole thing. But the, thing right. but the fact of the matter is, is just like hip-hop, just like rap and all those things, that came from the hood first. Oh, well, yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? That was from, from, from hard-working people who wanted to dance. Right. And so that music had its roots in some very honest stuff. Right. So, the, so rhythmically, I was very much attracted to the drumming in, 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 in that genre, what was disco at that time, and then what probably kind of like also became more funk-like and things like that. Definitely. And, uh, and then again, listening to jazz drummers, uh, like I said, Philly Joe was just so smooth. Yeah. And, 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 and just 
laid it down so beautifully. Mm-hmm. But then we go to Sonny Payne, who was just so much more of a, you know, he's a big band drummer. Right. He's coming from yeah. a different, whole different place. But still, to me, just as satisfying to listen to for, for his creativity with, you know, I like, to, I like to say that I don't keep time, I shape time. Right. Uh, I give time form. That's right. right. And that's my favorite drummers, that's what they do. You know, because when you're playing on a certain level, time is not an issue. It's not something that should be kept. And I and I remember, I may be wrong, but I believe that I heard that 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 Ron Carter was quoted as saying, "I'm not your clock." Oh right. wow! Right. You know what That's I mean? Right. right. I'm not your rhythm keeper. You know, and I probably am totally not. You know, Keep your own re- time. not representing the quote properly, but that the gist of what he was saying is that I'm not sure. here to hold time for you. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We all should be holding time. Right. And then we can create and give time form and shape and beauty. Right. That's what we should be doing. Definitely. And so that's always been my, you know, what, what I like, like to do. And uh, to me, Philly incorporated that. Later on, I got just so got deep into Elvin. Yeah, come on. You man. know what I mean? Because <laughs> Elvin's, you talk about shaping time. Yeah, right. Definitely. I mean, goodness gracious! I mean, it's just a beautiful thing to listen to. Man. Oh yeah, you know the the groove and and the way that he was listening to the melody. That's another thing that 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 uh, um, a lot of people seem to make the observation that I'm very melody driven when I take a solo mm-hmm. or when I'm, you know, in the middle of of a piece of music. It sounds like I know the lyrics to the to the to the tune. Yeah, and it's because because I do. Right, right. Because I also sing. Right, and so. As a singer, I think the only way to really truly emote any given song is to really understand the lyrics. Right. But I think that that, fo- that goes well beyond being a vocalist. It goes into being an instrumentalist as well. Right. Because then you can understand the true intent of the tune, and you can emote in a way that's, that, that, that honors what the tune w- w- was written about. Right, right. So I think that's an important aspects as well definitely i was i was trying to figure out how to bring that in and if anybody that doesn't know um willie's a fantastic singer amazing singer and 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 the thing is i i you know i play with ralph peterson the drummer and he knows ralph and ralph also plays trumpet yep and one aspect to his playing is that he knows everything he knows if playing wrong chord he knows if you're playing wrong melody (laughs) exactly he knows what's up and we'll tell you yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i mean and it, it comes in in his playing you can tell by the way he plays drums you know it's very melodic and also the same thing happens. So I was trying to figure out how to actually bring that in, and you just kind of just nailed it real quick. So, uh, I mean, definitely. yeah, that, that is important. That is important for drummers. I mean, uh, you can tell right away a lot of times. You know? Definitely. I mean, you don't never, ne- necessarily have to play, but you, there has to be some sort of connection. There, there's a big difference between drummers that know the form and the melody to the tunes and drummers that, that don't have, I mean, don't even pay attention to it. Exactly. And that's and that's one of the things right now on the scene, um, you know, talking about Latin jazz all around the U.S. Um, playing with or doing workshops and playing with a lot of young drummers. That's something that they kind of just leave behind. Yeah, you know, yeah, they, they don't understand definitely. that you should be humming the melody while you're actually playing along there shouldn't be anything you don't know that's going on in the song whether it's the bass whether it's the chords you should know everything it's just gonna bring the music together more yeah you know no i totally agree like tito as we make tito man tito is oh man what a great example i mean he's he knows he he knew everything he wrote everything right it's unbelievable yeah so it kind of gave this this connection especially him being the leader of the band and the drummer 
which is, uh, I mean, that's what we need more of. So yeah, a lot of people don't realize what you know what a wonderful vibraphonist he was. Yeah, and and that melodic melodic, you know. Uh, the grasp of melody that he had from that the, the, when you listen to his timbal solos I mean they, it sounds like he's playing the vibes man, exactly. because he's referencing yeah. you know melodies and all kinds of stuff it's beautiful yep. and he's quoting he'll quote tunes just the same way a trumpet player will quote tunes exactly yeah. you know what I mean and, and, and you're like you know all of a sudden you hear Salt Peanuts uh-huh, in, a right. so, in one of his solos right. Right. on the timbal right. right. and you're like right. damn <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, that yeah, actually yeah. Brings me to something else that I I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. is uh we're talking about you know melodies and 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 drummers who understand melody and harmony um how how did you get into like writing and how did you develop your writing style Wow that's a great question actually um I I I think my writing style comes out of the the music that I really most enjoyed listening to and that again goes back to Cal Jader and to Mongo Santa Maria. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know, again, I, I love like bands like Tipica 73 and Tiro sure. Puente and everything like that, but maybe I've always been a Latin jazz guy at heart because <laughs> what I gravitate to, gravitated to was Mongo and, and Cal Jader right. and, and, and how they were taking these jazz tunes right. and playing grooves to them. And so I, always, I had already an early appreciation for, for jazz melodies but uh, marrying them with, with uh, Afro-Caribbean rhythm right. to me was a, a, a wonderful thing. Yeah, right. So when I started writing, the, the very, it's funny, the very, very first thing that I ever wrote that was published um, was a bolero. Huh. Um, I worked for a wonderful percussionist. Um, his name was Norman Hedman. Okay. Who was a good friend of Steve Croon's? We oh, were talking nice. about Steve Croon yeah. earlier. Okay, cool. Next Definitely. time you see Steve, ask him about Norman. I think they were in the army together. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So they go way back, and and they were both conga players. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Norman uh, played congas with the uh, New Kids on the Block. Oh, okay. And so he was a really nice. really fine percussionist, but he was in love with Mongo and Mongo's concept. Mm-hmm. So he had a band called Tropique that uh, you know started in the mid '90s. And uh, he, I, after a few years, he made me his musical director, and I and I was the musical director for ten wow. years before Norman passed away. Wow! Um, and so that gave me a, a, an opportunity to arrange for an ensemble. Nice. Okay. Cool. You know, and and to and 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 the cats were totally cool. And the thing is, is that I didn't go to college. I didn't go to school for music. Right. And I started playing professionally right out of high school right. with Johnny Cologne. Right. You know, um, I had was already studying at the age of 15, 16, and then I started going to the East Harlem Music School when I was 17, but I had already had a, a I, was, I was already a decent reader by okay. the time I was 17. Nice. Okay. And I already had a good, a, a very, a very a good um, handle on, on rudiments, mm-hmm. so when I played timbal, it was clean. Right. And so I started playing with the... Um, the youth ensemble at the Johnny Cologne School, uh-huh. and the director of that ensemble was a newly graduated Bobby Sanabria. Oh, I think Bobby. I think Bobby was 22 years old. Wow, <laughs> he had crazy. just came from Berkeley. Yeah. Wow, and and he was he was the the, the leader of that of the the, the youth orchestra uh, uh-huh. uh, the the the, 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 um, 
the student band of, of the Johnny Colonies Hall School, uh, Music School. Ray Vega was in the trumpet section. Ah. Oh, nice. I was playing timbales. You know, now, go ahead, I'm sorry. You, you got your reading chops from uh, your, your choral training, is that? N- well, no, not really. Actually, I got my reading chops uh, when I went to attend Drummer's Collective hmm. at the age of 15. I uh, went there at that time. Frankie Malave was, right. was in there, but the, also the the drumming instructor, who was also a Latin percussionist and was also a New Yorkian, was his name was Jimmy Jimmy Iglesias. Okay. Oh, okay. Now Jimmy Iglesias's brother was Papi Roman, who was the trumpet player with Ray Barreto. Ah, okay. So, anyway. Jimmy, uh, it's f- funny. I-, I took it so seriously that I wore a su- I wore a suit and tie to go nice. to, to go to go there to to, <laughs> to to sign up for lessons. Wow! And I walked through the door, and Jimmy, I'll never forget it. Jimmy was sitting there with Frankie Malave. And he tells and he tells Frankie, Mira este palito, look at this stick. Because <laughs> wow. I was like, I weighed, I probably weighed about a buck ten, soaking wet, <laughs> in this suit that was hanging off of me and, and this tie. And um, and he called from then he, to this day he calls me Palo. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know Killing. from back from, from. But anyway, Jimmy told me uh, I wanted to go there to learn how to play timbales. Yeah. And 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 because I had you know I was playing with records, but mm-hmm. I wanted to learn formally. You know, formally. Yeah. Right. So Jimmy said, "Yeah, I'll show you." He says, "But he says I, I I'll I have to show you how to play drum set, and I have to show you how to read. Nice. Or else I'm not showing you nothing." Okay. So I said, all right, cool. So I signed up, and that was a, it probably changed my life, you know, because he says, you're not going to be able to make a living playing timbales. Hmm. He, says, you, you, he says, you're going to be able to make a living playing timbales and bongos and, tim- and congas and drums and as many instruments as you can. Right. You know, and it probably saved my life as, you know, gave my, you know I, I eke out a meager living for 35 years playing music, and it's because of Jimmy Iglesias, because he made me embrace the drum set and he and he made me a good reader he was a excellent reader wow. wow jimmy and then i later went on to study with his teacher joe rodriguez okay who was the uh one of the original timbale players with uh, ray barreto when he was in his charanga phase mm. ah okay and so i studied with joe and then later on i studied at the boys harbor nice with uh, johnny almendra well, who was another killing reader and mm-hmm. another amazingly underestimated uh, tr- musician yeah definitely and um, he sent me to study with his teacher so I had all the blessings of studying with these great musicians but then they would send me to t- study with their teachers oh that's cool and mm-hmm. so I went to go study with a gentleman by the name of Joe Casares mm-hmm. who uh, owned a uh, drum shop in Times Square who, yeah. that I wound up <clears throat> wound up working at for 15 years myself and, wow. and learning how to build and repair drums nice. which is a whole other thing that I do oh wow but uh, anyway uh, to get back to the original um, question it, it, the what was the original question <laughs> you're, you're just about your writing style and, and so the writing style the, yeah the writing style really really grew out of of my love of jazz music mm-hmm. connected to Afro-Caribbean rhythm and so and like I was saying Norman Hedman being his musical director gave me the opportunity to write and practice my writing and so that and and the uh, ensemble was alto flute and vibes so it was a nice palette to write for alto alto saxophone okay not alto flute. Yeah, nope. Alto saxophone (laughs) um, flute and vibes and and uh, flute and vibes cool 
And uh, yeah, the, the, the flutist was uh, Craig Rivers. Oh, of course. And um, the uh, even though he was a, actually a uh, uh, a tenor player, uh, Roger Byam was uh, played alto in the in the ensemble. Oh, okay. And then for a while, Sam Furness played with us. I don't know if you know who he was, but he was an incredible um, saxophonist on all reeds. Wow. And he died, unfortunately, too way too young of cancer. Um, oh. Back in, I want to say, uh, probably the late, uh, I, don't, I don't think it was the late 90s, I think it was after that. It was probably around 2002 oh. wow. or 2001 that Sam passed away. He was a fantastic musician. And, um, and he had played with Mongo. Oh, also, okay. you know, and so it, again, playing for these cats that knew how to play that style of music, and then loving that style of music and writing for it—that right. that's where I kind of really, right. you know. And then when I when I um, years later when I started La Familia Sextet, I was just meditating on this yesterday because we played at the New York and Poets Cafe last night. Mm-hmm. I realized that I've had this band together for twelve years. Wow. You know, with all the same musicians. Wow. And when I started that band, I you know I I always dug. The, the classic tenor saxophone trumpet front line. Yeah. Sure. But I, my, my, I think my favorite instrument in the whole world is the trombone. I <laughs> love the trombone. Yeah, and I was very blessed to grow up playing with a lot of great trombone players like Jimmy Bosch and yeah. yep. all, all the cats, man, that, you know, that I would come, up, come across in the scene and playing with. Um, but anyway, I, I knew I wanted a trombone in my group. Yeah. So I said, what would be a nice instrument to pair with the trombone and I said maybe something you know a reed right. but I didn't want a tenor player and so I chose the baritone saxophone oh wow, wow. and that's where that came out came out of and so f- f- you know a lot of people say wow I really like the sound because it's different and 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 uh, unique you know yeah. because of the because of the the, the front line of, of Barry and, and, and trombone that's sweet. before we get into your band mm-hmm. let's take a quick break I, w- I would like to play something for from your record, if that's okay with you. Oh, wow, beautiful. And then um, just let me know what you I mean. And we'll come back and we'll discuss things like, you know, what you're doing with your band, but also um, you're your own producer, right? And you produce your own records. You yep. have, do, is this your own record label? Um, you, yeah, Kuchipuerji Music. Yep. Yeah, wow. and you put out, put it, so completely independent artist. Yeah. And then um, then I'd love to talk about, pick your brain about that uh, sort of thing, because that's something that we're into as well. Oh, yeah. And then... Um, also, I would love to hear your uh, thoughts on some of the young, upcoming play players. You know, mm-hmm. the drummers, the ballad players, percussionists, and um, but we'll play some something of your choice. What would you like uh, us to play? Wow, um, let's see. Um, I would say probably for the cooch. Okay, uh, that's on our first CD after winter after winter spring. It's a tune that I wrote and dedicated to my dad. Nice. nice. So uh, that's a that's a really beautiful tune. All right, oh. enjoy for the cooch, and also, um, once again, you're listening to the Truth Revolution uh, podcast. And um, if you're hearing it for the first time in any other way, in YouTube or something, this is on iTunes. You can subscribe, go to the website trrcollective.com to see what else we're doing. And um, here it is for the cooch. Am I saying that right? That's right. All right.
We've been listening to Willie Martinez. That last song was for the cooch, and he's gonna. Exp- he's been here for the last thirty minutes. He's gonna uh, stick around, and we're gonna actually do a full hour with Willie Martinez. And we're very honored to have him here. We're also here with Brevin Hamden. Definitely. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Willie, for being here. Absolutely. For sure. Thank you. And tell us a little bit about that song. Um, you know, your is that an original composition? Yeah. Yeah, I wrote that and dedicated it to my dad, uh, Willie Martinez Sr., who passed away in 1982 at the age of 50. Wow. And so I was only about 20 years old when he passed away. So, uh, but I, you know, carry him with me every day. Right. And so later on when I, um, when I started my own, um, my own company uh, to produce music, uh, I, uh, back when, when I would be with my brothers, if when we were leaving each other, I would say, all right, you guys be cool and may the cooch be with you. Uh-huh. So, because my father's name was Willie Martinez Sr., but his nickname was Coochie. Oh, oh wow, okay. okay. So I would say like Star Wars style, may the cooch yeah, be yeah. with you. <laughs> right, right. So that was like our little code. And so when I started my company, that's what I decided to call it, uh, Cooch Bewitching Music. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. And so that's a lot of people, when they write me checks, they're like, man, what does that mean? And I say, <laughs> and then I have to go through the story. But anyway, the, um, the tune was something that, that, that I wanted to write for him. And when I, I remember when I was composing it in my mind, I said, Dung, this is going to be for, for, for Dad. Right. And so that's why it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just simply called For the Cooch, you know, because all of his friends knew him by that name, and, you know, that's what they called him. Right. Yes. So that, that, that was where come, the inspiration came from. And, and tell us a little bit about your release and how you went about doing that. Also, I would, I would love for you to explain why you chose to uh, do it independently because, um, as we all know, this is you have the choice right now to do it independently, to not do it at all. It's a lot of work. And uh, one thing I realize is not a lot of people understand how much work it actually is. And if, if an artist is putting out their record independently, believe me, they're going out of pocket for that. And Big so, time. Just, yeah, so, so tell us a bit, a bit about the process, what made you actually turn around. And, and believe it or not, it's people like you, Ray Vega, mm-hmm. Chembo. Yep. I mean, that entire circle of groups, uh, I mean, this entire group of people, entire circle, has influenced myself and my brother crazily and, and kind of put us in that path to try to do this first independently and then maybe develop a way to um, do it another way in the future. But for right now, that's how we've been doing it. So, so please explain. Um, well, you know, when I started uh, La Familia Sextet, I knew that we, I wanted to record us because, you know, like, as you know, as musicians, that is our medium, you know, is, 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 is uh, the recording, right. you know, the same way that the written page is to the poet, you know, and the, and the, and the canvas is to the, to the painter. Right. Our medium is, is the record, you know, we have technology to record and document what we do. So, um, as you very, very accurately said it, it's it's a, it's a, it's an, an unbelievable undertaking um it requires a lot of due diligence in terms of picking you know where you're going to record mm-hmm. who you're going to record with you know in my case i already had the ensemble but figuring out where i was going to record figuring out how i was going to manufacture a product you know the whole you know nine yards and the expense is is something that i'm still living with you know mm-hmm. my my recordings are actually kind of on the old side i mean we we recorded our first recording after winter spring in 2005 and we recorded our second recording in 2009 uh, oh, okay. which is called family and um 
so back when I was contemplating it, you know, I, I was young and I had a couple of credit cards and <laughs> I just banged them to death and I'm still paying for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and both of those are available on iTunes, right? Yeah, they're both available on iTunes or on um, uh, CD Baby. Nice. Uh, if you want an actual like hard copy. Yeah, you just know. pick them up. I mean, go to iTunes right now. You can do it while you listen to the podcast. Totally. You know, <laughs> it is. And uh, and then uh, I was, had the good fortune of recording at a studio in the mid-90s with Norman Hedman mm-hmm. and maintaining a, 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 sh- a strong friendship with the owner, Lou Holtzman. Uh, the name of the studio is Eastside Sounds. Oh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful studio. And I'm, uh, Lou is a very dear friend, him and his wife, Mimi. So he's always been very supportive to me. Um, whenever I wanted to go into the studio, he would totally hook me up and, and, uh-huh. and, and find ways to, for, for us to get it done. You know, nice. it wasn't about no, we can't do this. It's like we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, he'd say, yeah. you know, because I would be the one stressing, and he'd say, Willie, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. Nice. So, um, you know, I, I I need to record something now. I do have a recording coming up, but that's a different type of recording with a different ensemble. But I really want to produce something else with La Familia Sextet. What's held me back is just money, you right? Know, because it's it's an expensive endeavor. I hear that, and uh, and 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 uh, and a lot of work goes into it. You know, mm-hmm. the technology has changed too, though. Now, I, I don't know how how important. You know, you might be able to school me now, <laughs> it, it, like how important it is to actually have physical product. I think it's somewhat important to be able to sell something at gigs because it's another revenue stream. Sure. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely important still for us. I think. It, I think it depends on the genre now. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of the if we still have a lot of people that still come to the concerts that are you know a lot older than you know some of the other genres of music and they still want the records i mean you can yeah. still probably get rid of a uh, hundred at a festival you know I, right. I mean if you keep the the prices reasonable or, or it's not even reasonable if you keep the prices uh at like discount <laughs> right because <laughs> i mean we go to the selling your cd for ten dollars i mean just for people that know this selling your cd for ten dollars i mean is like Almost giving it away. Yeah, it really, it really is. <laughs> yep, yep. I it mean, really if you is. think about inflation, we've been. I've been selling my ten CD since for ten dollars since I made my first, very first burn CD. I mean, like, like demo. And yeah, yeah, you're talking the twenty twenty years ago. So I mean, it's kind of a standard that's kind of been. It's not a standard. I mean, it's really below market. But right. we have to do what we got to do, and that's what people buy. Ten dollars. I mean, they buy. They flies off the the shelf really. Yeah. yeah. But I mean. Yeah, I think it's important to have that digital. If if you have your record out, um, you're probably going to make most of your money selling digitally through iTunes and a lot of that stuff. But live concerts, you're going to yeah. sell that product. Yeah, you know? yeah. The other thing I'm starting to notice about uh, just selling CDs at shows is that, I mean, I I definitely agree with with Yuzakai that that yeah. you know the age like some of the older people that come to the concert actually still want like a they want right. to touch yeah. the CD. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I'm noticing is like a lot of times people buy CDs not necessarily to listen to it so much, but more so like if they want all the cats in the band to sign the CD and just to document right. the That's fact true. that they went to the concert and remember that they had a good time. Right. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. That's very true. So it becomes a collector's. Right. Yeah. Exactly. 
which is I, I think that's a good direction to go in too like ten, I, I think maybe about 10 years ago it wouldn't have been a good idea to have a bunch of CDs that you have everybody sign and use as collectors thing but right. now you can you can actually sell those for a lot more money and people will pick them up because they are collectors and right. how hard is it to get those signatures from everybody in the band that's into right. those concerts so I mean it, you know you, you find those people actually they, they pop up and I, those are kind of like the hardcore fans those are the ones you want to please exactly really a lot exactly. So. Exactly, they're the people that deserve that. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. And we need those people to keep yeah. them happy. Yes, yes. <laughs> they came out. They came out to see the music and support That's the right. music. Right. That's right. And they will. They'll yeah. come out. Probably it's a beautiful get another thing. copy. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, you have. I mean, before we go into the, um, uh, 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 you know, the the, I guess there's a bunch of stuff we can wait but before we get into the younger, what's happening right now? Do you have any anything, Brevin, that that um you have immediately on the top of your head or definitely you want to um, talk about yeah well i was actually going to ask about uh the the younger generation but before we do that i remember um hearing well and we can the three of us i feel like share the same thought but um i know when it comes to latin jazz in the time of the 70s and 80s i think it's safe to say that the three of us were influenced a bit by by Jerry and Andy and, and the Fort Apache band. Absolutely. Yeah, so, even going to the 90s, yeah. So, you know, um, I wanted to ask you, like, in, in your opinion, when they started playing with that group, what was so uh, different, what stood out to you about Fort Apache that was so different from other, from Cal and from other Latin jazz groups that were performing at that same time? That's a great question. Uh, I, um... I dug Fort Apache because they were stretching the boundaries of of groove. Right. You know, in other words, Steve Berrios <laughs> is to me one of the most important drummers in Latin jazz Definitely. ever. And um and the reason I say that is because um as you had said earlier, Zakai we're th- we're we're thinking about two different Latin jazz is not it, it, it's a hybrid right. mm-hmm. of two very different th- things that organically fit together right. but that are very very different from each yeah, other sure so when you think about the fact that Andy played with Barreto for all those years mm-hmm. when you think of the fact that Jerry played with Libre for for all those years yeah. with Manuel mm-hmm. Kendall and that had nothing I mean one might argue that it has nothing to do with jazz or not, but 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 something like Libre or Barreto, they were definitely uh, those leaders had a jazz aesthetic, but their right. music was pretty much dance music, right? And swing, the swing was deep, right? Right. So there you have that. What those and here's Jerry and 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 Andy, who are iconic players in that realm, right? But then again, you turn around and you're talking about, I mean, the early group. You know, had Jorge Dalto, right. you know, Fred, uh, Willie uh, right. Velez and, and, and Gene Golden, mm-hmm. all those cats. But then later on, you have Joe Ford, right. Larry Willis. Right. Was Steve Turay, too? Uh, oh, was early? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Steve Turay as well. Carter yeah. Carter Jefferson played Carter, there. Carter, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I remember seeing a, um, a photograph on, um, on Milton's uh, Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, as they're all sitting at a table. And, <laughs> and I would... 
would have given my right arm to be sitting oh, at, yeah. at a table like that <laughs> with on, these man. cats. Yeah, man. I mean, it's like a who's who, right. and yeah. that was Fort Apache. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but all of what my, the point I'm trying to make about Fort Apache is the, is the fact that you have players, and Steve is the bridge, right? Because Steve yeah, so can yep, Steve could sit down and play. And you'd close your eyes and you'd hear Blakey. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And you'd hear the real stuff mm-hmm. coming from Steve. And then Steve, you, you hear Steve play bata. Right. Or play any instrument. Yeah. And the saoko, you know, the groove right. that, that he had, God bless him. He, you know, to bring those two things together in one individual, (laughs) that's why Fort Apache was able to to cross the boundaries that they crossed, you know, and do the things that they do because of Steve. You know, I know nothing taken away from any of the other wonderful musicians. It's just that Steve was integral, yeah, right. as they all are, but 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 just Steve had all of this stuff going on. Right. And I have I have a belief. Uh, of course, it's my belief. I don't, don't push it on anybody else. It's not necessarily <laughs> religious, and I'm, I don't hold myself to it. But it is a belief. I, I think that all music, especially all African-derived music, comes from the drummer, stems from the drummers. Yeah. You know, it's just all like about Tony the Tony Williams, yeah, Art definitely. Blakey. Those are kind of, the, to me, those are the people that are pushing jazz forward or have been pushing jazz forward just all types of music forward forget jazz i mean right. it's really stemming from the drummer so i always say you know this is like this is my belief but your band can only be as good as its drummer and it's i always say if you want a great band start with who you pick on drums if you're not a drummer you know and i think it's i, I don't know to me that's where it comes from that's what i pay attention to you know yeah i think that's very accurate i mean african-based music is and actually if you think about it in a very deep level all music ultimately is 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 rooted in africa right. right and so there's a rhythmic concept in play all over the place right uh but it, particularly in the music that we're talking about right now it's mm-hmm. all about the drum definitely you know what yeah. i mean man and and you can go to james brown and james brown would tell you it was all about the drum <laughs> yes, you know right. when you listen to the guitar you listen to, those are all like drum grip those, yeah. are, those are all grooves drum definitely. grooves and so in latin jazz you know, uh, to get back to 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 Fort Apache and and them being such an important um, an important bridge to cross from from Cal and Tito and Mongo into the present. Right. You know, yeah. The first time I heard, you know, Rumba para Monca, I thought I, was, I thought I was going to lose my mind, bro. I couldn't believe how beautiful the rhythms just worked. With, right. with all of that music. Yeah, definitely. And it was, I, that's, I said, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I hear you. And at that time, I was already dedicated to being a, 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 a I was in the salsa scene at that point, mm-hmm. but the salsa scene was really very rapidly. I just caught the tail end of salsa as it was known in the 70s. I was very oh, wow. very much at the tail end of it. Right. But What, what year is this? Uh, the mid, mid-80s, mid okay. early right. 90s. Yeah. You know, when you started moving into salsa romantica and all that stuff, right. and, mm-hmm. I, I, and the writing was on the wall. You know, no disrespect <laughs> to, to all those producers, but damn. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. But when, when, but I, I, and then the music started becoming really formulaic. Right. You know, you could tell that that cats were working with templates, and I was like, man, right. all this is sounding really lame. And then I remember, I'm not going to mention who I was playing with, but I was playing at this this club in in Long Island City called Wampachangas, mm-hmm. and we had finished playing at about one one a.m. That's early, and well. <laughs> 
I was I didn't get paid till three oh. because the band leader was upstairs getting high, mm-hmm. and when he came back, he could hardly talk. He just went <laughs> and gave me my bread, and then managed to eke out. I'll, I'll let you know about next Saturday, and I went home and I said I can't do this anymore. Right. Uh, and 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 it was right around that time that I started listening to to Ford Apache or 1990, I mean, I was listening to Ford Apache before mm-hmm. 1991, but I started embracing them as a direction right. for myself as a drummer. Right. In 1991. Wow. And and uh, and that's when I started making the transition to becoming more of a jazz player. Mm-hmm. Because I I said I, I'm not gonna I can't do this anymore with the, you know I love. Yeah. Latin music, I love salsa, but I just couldn't do it anymore. I understand. And so, uh, another group that um, was very influential was Batacumbele. Oh, man. oh yeah, right. you know what I mean. You have a young Gio- Giovanni with uh, with Chamaquito chops back then. Oh yeah. man, <laughs> and Eric Figueroa, who oh, I had the yeah. great, who I had the great honor of of playing with on a tour with uh, Bebo Valdez. Oh, nice. And Eric is he's one of the deepest cats. I've ever met, man. Wow. Musically, I can't believe what he does. You know, he's coming out of so many places, and it's all just seamless. Wow. He's such an incredible player. He is. He is. And, and, a, and, a, and a beautiful cat, and he was very, very sweet to me on that tour, and, and I just love cool. playing with him. But, you know, he was in Batacumbele, and then uh, my man that just passed away, uh, the bass player. Eddie Wawa. Wow, Eddie. Yeah. You know, Eddie was a visionary. Oh, yeah. He's a, and again, a guy that comes deeply rooted out of salsa, mm-hmm. right. but also was limitless right. musically. He, mm-hmm. This cat could do anything. He was a lot like Ray Maldonado in that respect. Right. You know, the great trumpeter. Yeah, he influenced so many people. You Man, know, To me, Eddie was one of those cats that if you put a record on and he was playing on it, you hear three notes and you just know. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You know what That's I mean? Right. He was just one of those that cats. That touch, yeah, yeah. And so you know that was a that was a, a a really important band as well to me you know because even and they were the first band that I appreciated that wasn't a New York City thing ah hey, you know hey, what I mean yeah they were coming from you know like like when I was playing with Ray Vega Ray Ray was about New York City style Latin jazz which mm-hmm. I'm still uh-huh, right. very much a proponent of I mean La sure. Familia I really think is that as well right but what was re- kind of interesting and refreshing about uh, Batacumbele is that you have to realize like guys like Barreto and stuff they they had access to recordings of um, uh, now, I'm, now I'm starting to draw blanks um, the Cuban musicians uh-huh. oh like Iraquere like Iraquere and, and Bambang, Bambang right. and they were they were sharing those recordings with their musicians already in, right. in, in like the in, in, in the late 70s and early 80s wow so they were already hip to that stuff okay but Batacumbele, I think, is the first band to start embracing. Well, Ignacio was playing drums with them. Sure. And that was important. Yeah. You know, again, you talk about drummers being yeah, integral right. oh, to yeah. a sound. Oh, yeah. He was, right. he was out of that. Right. You know, he was that. Right. So, so when he, it was interesting to see young players uh, expressing Latin jazz with this, with songo. Right. Which yeah. was relatively new to people then, but we, musicians were already vibing on that 10 years earlier. Right. right? But it was an. It, I thought it was important because it was. It, it gave you another way to feel the groove, sure, and another way to improv, improvise over the groove. You know, the right. inter, interplay between the drummer and, and the. Uh, it was way different than, than what Steve was doing. Hmm. Yeah, you know, but but just as beautiful. You know, right. you know what's funny about that, but, I'm, 
they were to me Batakun Bailey was definitely jazzy. Mm-hmm. But I almost look at them more like a dance band. I do too. Yeah. Like yeah. in the sense like when I listen to you know, stuff like El Machevere, things like that. Yeah. It's like you hear all the exploration and the experimentation and everything, but it, it's it's still got this hard hard hitting groove, man. Yeah, you know. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. And 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 I don't think that it's you know I call it Latin jazz, but again, you know when you think about how deeply rooted Jerry and Andy were about being true to 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 African American jazz, mm-hmm. that which is really. Right. To me, if you're going to say Latin jazz, I guess there's so many ways now that we can describe that. But to right. me, that's one. That to me is like at the pinnacle. Yeah, yeah. is is African American jazz fused with Afro Caribbean rhythm. Yeah, and, I have a, and that's where Fort Apache totally is the. They set the bar. Right, right. I I feel like that time. I mean, get if we're getting into that discussion of Latin jazz, I mean, to me, I kind of see it now how I would look at bebop rather than you know you have they would call dizzy and monk bebop but to me their music is completely different oh yeah completely and I, I, I know people have their different but I, I can even break down their approach and even even dealing with parker and how how deep some of it is and how different some of it i mean they, they did use a lot of different i mean similar language um i mean for lack of a better term but it is very different, and I, I do see that that time period of compatibility. You know that move, shifting to the '80s and '90s. I kind of see Latin jazz in the same way with Hilton, mm-hmm. and you know, start for me. Start of course, starting with Cal Jader, mm-hmm. and Cal Jader with Tito, um, Charlie, Mongo, Willie Bobo. Like to me, those guys are kind of started that small group way of looking at the music i mean mm-hmm. it was there in large group yeah but sure. when it came to that small group way of looking at things and then everybody else was like we can do this in a small group <laughs> right. <And then laughs> right started and then people started talking i mean this person will put out this record and put out this record and then next you know you have this development and then you get to this point like what you're saying is with andy gonzalez giovanni hidalgo and they in hilton they kind of made this standard Right and I, I to me I feel like that that standard was set and what we're doing and and I've, I've never really seen my own music as Latin jazz in fact when I first um, you know I've always played their music but when I first started writing music and playing with my band and it was labeled Latin jazz it kind of threw me back like hmm. it, I thought this was completely different than right. you know what I know is Latin jazz and so I kind of throughout the years looking back I'm realizing that. To me, I, to me at least, there was something that was there then. Um, like maybe is what I'm trying to do here with you start with the community. Let's deal with a culture. You know, mm-hmm. let's deal with get together and talk. We play with jam, and whatever's happening right now is what I want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's something that I would like to you know have now. But I, there is something different in culturally. Right, but I mean, I just want to throw that out there. It probably didn't go anywhere, but I just want no, to no, no, you totally went somewhere. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah we, we're. I, I feel like we're here nodding in agreement. Yeah. You know, just uh, I feel like the three. You know, I, I'm. I know you understand. You know, but that's that's. I don't know about you guys, but thoughts like that come to me every day. Yeah, you know, just yeah. listening and you know shedding practicing things like that it's like you have conceptual thoughts like that every day so I, there's that's there's definitely yeah. plenty of value in that yeah and, I, and i see what willie's doing with his band exactly. I, when i go see your band I, I don't necessarily think you know we're 
it's music from the 90s or music right, from the right. 80s i don't think that at all and i'm like there's no bands that i really feel that way about i mean it's it's hard i mean it's completely different i mean what's happening right now is completely different and i mean what was then is very special that that 80s and 90s for people that don't know what i'm talking about i mean we can list records you know that you can, <laughs> we lit record after record but it, i'm i'm sure if you go to allmusic.com and type in charlie palmieri or andy gonzalez and right. these guys names you, you're gonna find these records and um just keep following the names but um i know you know as far as right now there's a modern thing happening and i'm wondering do, do you think um willie i mean do you think that something is would you Go ahead and say that it is Latin jazz, or is there something that you know you feel is not actually being captured by that term? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of amazing cats out there doing projects that are not necessarily in the same vein as 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 things that I consider to be Latin jazz, but nevertheless, they're really brilliant. And if you really look at it, they kind of are Latin jazz. I mean, you look at somebody uh, like uh, Manuel Valera. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Or, or um, also um, uh, the Venezuelan pianist, uh, Luis Perdomo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's another cat that's actually pushing the boundaries. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And, and, and at first glance, you wouldn't necessarily listen to him and say, oh, that's Latin jazz. But, but, there's, but the influence is there, definitely. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, then, and, and uh, you know, people like that, uh, I, I, I think that it's different. And, to, and 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 in a certain way, it makes me feel like a dinosaur, because I you know I like to to groove a certain way, right? That is kind of a throwback, and and I struggle sometimes with 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 saying, man, I, am I even relevant anymore? You know, in my way of playing, but because it's who I am, I have to be true to that and continue that because that's how I believe it's Pete. But at the same time, I I, I don't. Look at other people's music and 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 say you know I I I, I have to validate them and right, and say sure. man this brother's on he, he's on another path but it's a you know the music can never stay stagnant man the music right. has got to grow and yeah. and I think that the one thing that we do all have in common is when you look back on those iconic names like Charlie Palmieri and 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 all the myriad cats that that were so true in, to the music and and gave us our inspiration when you think about the fact that we are standing upon their shoulders mm-hmm. and at the end of the day we have to strive right. to make them smile down on us and and say yeah baby right right that's it you yeah. know and 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 it may what you're doing may have nothing to do with what they did right but all of us collectively, and no matter what we do, that we all know that we're standing upon the same shoulders, mm-hmm. and we're trying to make them proud in our own way. Mm-hmm. That's to me the at the at the, at the forefront of of, of 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 should be the forefront of your desire hmm. sure. is is to make them proud. And yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you're definitely relevant. I mean, if you hear his music, you'll yeah. see what I'm talking about. Definitely. And um, I mean, you have you have a website, WillieMartinez.com. Yeah, but Willie Martinez that's a, a that's a sad portal. I'm, I'm technology te- te- technologically. Okay. I'm not challenged because I actually am quite swift mm-hmm. on on on, te- on the technical tip. But at the same time, I've just not put enough energy into my web portal. But the Facebook 
uh, page for La Familia Sextet cool. Cool. Is, is working, and, I'm, and, uh, and the Twitter page is working. I found myself gravitating more towards social media as yeah, opposed yeah. to the website, right? Because it's uh, kind of like a a um, a direct uh, connection to the public. Right. right. They can reach back to you and everything. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and interconnectivity with them is, is important. But uh, that's just an excuse for me. I really do got to get my website together. <laughs> but, and um, the other thing, too, is I, before we go, I want to tell you how proud I am of you. Uh, and, and and all the things that you've done. I mean, you. I, I remember you back in the day at the New Eureka Poets Cafe, coming and hanging with your parents. God bless yeah. your mother and father, the two those, coolest people those I know. Crazy people, two crazy. <laughs> Taking their sons out to, to 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 see the greats and to in person and to see all the live music that you guys have seen. God bless them both. Yeah. And uh, but but you know to be as industrious as as you've been, you know, as a musician, but also as somebody that's looking with vision. To how do we make this better for ourselves? Mm-hmm. You know, a, as a community, right? Uh, kudos, man. You know, you're, what you're doing is amazing. I have a tremendous amount of respect for it, and uh, it, it, you know, it's really been an honor for you to, to have me here today to talk to you because you're the one that's making things happen. You know, yeah. with, like with things like this, yeah, yeah, create a dialogue. I, I wouldn't even think about it if it weren't for cats like you. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I, I mean, even in my my, the, I, I've been studying you guys. You don't even know. I mean, especially when I'm I'm looking down. I'm like, wait a minute. He's independent too. He's independent too. Like shoot, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> what am I thinking about? And that's kind of like where I want to. I'm, I'm. There's, a, there's a method behind my crazy madness, as I, I don't, might not explain it all at once. <laughs> to people, but I mean, you know, it's not just to do things. And I, I really do have a big respect and a love for the music and what you guys do. And I remember when I first came to New York, just you know, just being so bombarded with uh, uh you know not really really not knowing what to do there's so much music here it's completely right. different i mean i was it's completely different than boston i spent six years in boston i mean it's very different than there and uh, of course i grew up in hartford and right. growing up with with man a lot of the people that were there we were very lucky to be in that little that that I don't know how, what time 10 years that kind of a lot of people moved from New York and were there and we kind of right. got lucky but um, I mean when I came to New York it's a completely different story just for anybody it's, it's, it really is especially for Latin jazz I mean it's it's hard to find musicians um, outside of New York and you know that are really studying the music and right. have access to it I mean that's the biggest yeah. that's right. the biggest issue Yeah. but before we go into a break and, and uh, play another uh, one of your tunes um, I wanted to ask you a question that, I mean, may or may not, but I mean, it's really about advocation of what's, you know, I would love to mention or or have you mention anybody that you thought um, on timbal or drums or congas or percussion or anything um, that you kind of thought that, I mean, I mean, you can see the potential in them or you actually enjoy their playing, you know, younger musicians, I yeah. would say. Well, you know, um I can't say that he's a rising star because I think his star has risen. But Camilo um, Molina right, is—I've right. had the great pleasure of playing with him in a uh, a big band that, that uh, Steve O'Kendall 
has oh, up right. in the yeah. Bronx every oh, yeah. Tuesday. And Camilo is a uh, one of the, the uh, cast of rotating percussionists that's in and out of the band. Mama Juana, right? Mama Juana. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, they play every Tuesday. Every Tuesday from 8 to 11. Oh, I want to plug that in. Nice. Yeah, so there's Joe. no cover charge. It's crazy. Nice. crazy. Where, where is it? It's on uh, East Tremont. And I can't remember the... It's right near St. Raymond's um, Cemetery uh, in Throg's Neck. In yeah. the Bronx. In the Bronx. Okay. Yeah, if you write it's Mama Juana in East Tremont, it'll come up. Okay. Yeah. Three two three three East Tremont. Okay. Oh, yeah. but, um, <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> but uh, you know, Camilo is is somebody who who was with from since he was a kid. Yeah. You know, with, with Los Planeros de la 21. Yeah. You know what I mean? So here he's had he's had all of this polish yeah. for a long time, but mm-hmm. now he's just grown into this wonderful you know player. Yeah. And and he's deep. And uh, another uh, y- young cat that I met in that group was Carly Maldonado. Oh yeah. Who's yeah. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I listen yeah. to the groove and the strength, and I listen and I hear for a young cat, in mm-hmm. both of these guys, I, I should say, right. I hear the history of oh, our yeah. music. Right, right. And that brings me so much joy because I hear the history of our music. I don't, you know, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of new things going on in their playing. Sure. You know, because it, you talk about stick control. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, these yeah, cats yeah. are like squeezing stuff out on the congas wow. that, that I've never heard people squeeze things like that out. Right. But it's also very tasteful, very musical, and 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 you never and the time never suffers for it. The groove, mm. the pocket never suffers for it, and the clave doesn't suffer for it. So the, you know those two cats in particular, who I've just been recently you know exposed to, are like you know wow man, beautiful, just yeah. beautiful young players, and and are are doing strong, you know big gigs. Yeah, you know, yeah you know. So yeah, I have a lot of respect for them. But there's so many cats that I have respect for, you know, that, you know, like Little Johnny and, and Chembo. You mentioned Chembo Corniel. Chembo and I yeah. have known each other. I've been following his coattails since I was a little kid. Wow. You know, I remember going to all the salsa clubs with him that he would get me in. And 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 we have, there's a picture somewhere that Chembo has that he threatens to to, to pull out one day, of both of us with afros like this oh. big, you know, like huge, like 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 pearl the pearl afros and and, nice. and so post it up on Facebook, Chembo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tag him. But man, Chembo is like one of my heroes, man, because you talk yeah. about you talk about somebody who's who's independent and who has vision, oh, yeah. who has the Definitely. past. And the future, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, also independent, you know, yes, right. and so you know, and, and he's pushing yeah. the boundaries, definitely, know? he's pushing the boundaries, and and it's Latin jazz at its best, that's right, you know. So along with La Familia, and then also Hector Martignon, oh come on, man, who who uh, is a very dear friend. In fact, the uh, the selection that we'll play is uh, when I was a a kid, I used to love listening to Graciela. Sing with, oh, yeah, with Machito's yeah. orchestra. Yeah, I definitely. thought, you know, a lot of, you know, I love Celia Cruz. No, oh, of right. You cannot yeah. not love yeah, her. Yeah. <laughs> but I always felt that she overshadowed Graciela, uh, and, and Graciela just had this gorgeous voice. To me, she was like the oh, yeah. Ella Fitzgerald of Latin music because oh, yeah. of the accuracy of her pitch and everything, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and, and her, you know, her soulfulness. But anyway, she used to sing, there was a record, um, Machito Live at the Crescendo. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, that has a, uh, rendition of the bolero uh, Cosas del Alma mm. oh, okay. that when you listen to the, the arrangement and the orchestra and of course Graciela's voice mm-hmm. I could listen to that tune over that's and right. over again for hours <laughs> if you don't have that album pick it up because um, that's a must have oh, yep. that album is a must have and uh, so I um, on our second CD Family I asked uh, my dear friend Hector Martignon to, to write me an arrangement 
of course hasta el alma nice. so we'll listen to that and uh he did a brilliant job with it and and, and uh it's something where you can hear my vocals so oh, right. oh nice yeah. and we'll we'll uh come back after this break and uh just let people know where they can find you and what's happening next and where they can actually see if they're listening in new york they can actually come to one of your performances and yeah so we get all this this is what's the name of it? cosas del alma cosas del alma, cosas del alma. Esas cosas tan grandes tú sigues dudando de mí. ¿Qué culpa tengo yo de haber nacido así? Inerte la expresión en mí. Dios. Solo sabe en mi sentimiento Hay cosas del alma de mí para ti Sobre todas las cosas del mundo No hay nada primero que tú A pesar esas cosas tan lindas tú sigues dudando de mí
culpa tengo yo de haber nacido así Inerte la expresión en mí Dios solo sabe en mi sentimiento Hay cosas del alma de mí para ti Sobre todas las cosas del mundo No hay nada primero que tú A pesar de esas cosas tan grandes Tú sigues dudando de ti. Welcome back. This is the Truth Revolution podcast that you're listening to. If you're hearing this on YouTube, go ahead and go to iTunes and subscribe. Um, we have uh, two podcasts that come out every month. And um, if enough people subscribe and they want it, we'll do more. Um, email us um, at, um, I think it's podcast at truthrevolutionrecords.com. And we will uh, actually be able to if you have any suggestions for guests or topics, we will try to accommodate. But right now we have Willie Martinez, um, drummer, timbale, percussionist, and vocalist um, on with us. And also Brevin Hamden um, is sitting in with us, our yes, uh, co-host right here, holding it down <laughs> with all the right questions. Hey, yeah, amen. <laughs> Thank you, man. I'm just, I'm just in here trying to play my part, baby. That's all. <laughs> Doing better than me, man. I'm, I think you're going to have to take over as host. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so I can, Don't say that. Hey, yeah, man. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'll just set up the mic. So what's up? <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, I, you know, before we go, um, I wanted to uh, see if um, Willie could tell us um, a little bit about where he's going to be in the future and, um, you know, point us at his uh, wherever. Well, we talked about the Facebook already, but we'll mention that again. But um, where, where, where are you performing next? Or well, uh, La Familia Sextet is in its ninth year of residency at the New Yorican Poets Cafe. That's nice. what's up. So we're there the last Tuesday of each month. Yeah. Although nice. there is live Latin jazz there every Tuesday. Right. And if you don't mind, I'd like to plug that because I think that that's, that's right. very, very important to go out and support that. Uh, the first Tuesday of every month is Wilson Chembo Corniel, yes. who we were just talking about, Definitely. and his group Chaworo. Yeah. So they're there the first Monday, uh, first Tuesday, I'm sorry. And then the second Tuesday is uh, Victor Rendon has um. a wonderful big band called the Bronx Conexion Big Band. Wow. Nice. Unbelievable. I, I, I've been down there to see them and they're fantastic. And what's refreshing about um, their group is that they're playing a lot of original music oh, okay. in a big band situation. And then there's, you know, uh, Chembo's in the group too, and they've got Pata nice. going on. They've got full rhythm section. You know, it's it's beautiful stuff. Then the third uh, Tuesday of each month is Hector Martignon. Beautiful. And Hector, you know, he his group Foreign Affair 
is yeah. one of the ensembles that he features, but he also kind of mixes things up, and he'll go in there with a big band, mm-hmm. or he'll oh, yeah. go in there with a little oh, yeah. group, you know, right. whatever. You never know what Hector's going to pull out of his hat. So, nice. so that's a really exciting he's a, thing. He's a great composer and singer as well. Ama- oh, yeah. He's a beautiful vocalist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and he's and he's a fantastic. I mean, he's just his playing and his, and arranging. You know, his arrangements are really really beautiful. Yeah, right. He arranges Definitely. music beautifully. Wonderful, wonderful musician. And then we La Familia Sextet are there the last Tuesday of each month. Yeah. Nice. So. So there's something happening there every month. And then we're actually going to be, we kind of are in a rotation at Fat Cat. Sweet. So we're there every like seven or eight weeks. So yep. we'll be there again in April on the Tuesday the 19th. Nice. Oh, nice. Okay. So we'll be there. If you want to see me as a timbalero, uh, you Actually, can. They have, they have Latin jazz at Fat Cats, right? Is, it, is that Tuesdays too? Yeah, yeah. That's when that's when we do it. Peter Brainin uh, right. has had right. an ensemble there for a long time. Right. We used to use Steve and Andy. Yep. I, nice. used to, I played a lot with them. Yep. Yeah. Nice. So that was me, me cool. and Steve. That was the hang at, at Fat Cats. Cat. <laughs> he went at Dizzy's too. He used to go to Dizzy's a lot. Oh, Just yeah. hang. I, man, I, I, man, I used to hang with Steve so much. Yeah, I miss him, but yeah. yeah. I mean, just to squeeze in real quick, yeah, I remember calling Steve and asking him to study with him. Mm-hmm. And so he came to my studio and, and I took a lesson with him. And, you know, it wasn't cheap, you know? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. But but then, you know, he started showing me stuff. And then we had a second lesson. And the second lesson, he said, he said man, Willie, you know, he says, you, you really kind of already have a voice. He says... He said, "I feel bad taking your money, man. Let's go. Let's go hang." And wow. we just left, and we went somewhere for six hours. And he talked to me, and he shared all of this information. Wow. And I learned more in that six-hour hang than anything he showed me. Not because you know, not for any reason other than the fact that he just he just talked wow. to me about life, wow. and he talked to me about music, and he talked about you know. This music, da- jazz, is an oral music. It's a, it's a music that comes down through the through through the decades, orally, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. cats telling each other and tell and, and and the elders telling you, man, don't you know that you know that shit you just played? Don't don't do that again. Right, right, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, straight right. up. And so that was Steve. Steve gave me this thorough talking to that I so needed, and it was encouraging. Right. You know, what I mean, he, you know, it's not like he beat me down. He, right. he, he encouraged me, and he, and he gave me a lot to think about. And so we became very good friends over the years. And and I used to go down there to see him, you know, with with right. Peter. Mm-hmm. And that was in the last. I think that's actually the last time I saw him. You know, right. uh, and I'm still kicking myself for not going to the Blue Note the the week before he passed away when when they right. kind of reassembled right. uh, Fort Apache. I had a gig the same day. Yeah. But I was like, I'm going down. The only reason I went down was to hang with Steve. That's right. And I went down. I, I, I knew the gig was over. I was just hoping that he would be there. So I went down and hung with him. Nice. That night. And, nice. and I left to, to teach at Litchfield Camp. Mm. So it was like I was so glad I was able to see him yeah. you know, that wow. day. But yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not going to lie. Show, I'm a little envious of the both of you. Uh, I got up here. Uh, in January of 2014 so Steve passed and I had plans to take lessons with him and he uh, passed right before was it November 2013 or something like yeah, that yeah, yeah. and it's funny because I called I called Zakai that day as soon as I found out Yeah, and we talked a long time and, and he was telling the same story he was telling me because uh, well, we text for a little bit and you were at Litchfield um, but um, yeah same same story told me he was like man I went to Blue Note and I had to go play the Deuce Camp yeah and uh, so, yeah, no, but 
much love for for him and, oh and absolutely yeah. yeah absolutely so is it, is, so the the tuesday the people can hear you every fourth tuesday right mm-hmm. every fourth tuesday or every last tuesday yeah we'll be back there again on uh tuesday april 26th okay and where's new Eureka? uh that's at 236 east third street between avenue b and c correct right. okay and you can find him his stuff at he does have a website williemartinez.com and there's a link there there's a link facebook to the facebook Twitter. yep mm-hmm. yeah so subscribe and 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 follow him because um all the stuff that he puts out is fantastic if you don't have his records buy them go right now to <laughs> now. itunes yes pick them up um anything that he's on is great i mean it's, it's so many things he's record he's on so many records and um yeah like i said even even the stuff with tk blue i i remember i i i don't, I don't remember where i played with tk i haven't seen him in a while actually he was teaching at cw post for uh, he, i think he, he was in, in charge of their jazz department for a minute oh wow. he's okay. since left and i know that he was inundated with work but i spoke with him uh about a month and a half ago was benny powell's birthday and him him and benny okay. him wow. and benny were real tight so i texted him oh, to, to, okay. to say hey man thinking about benny right. and he was just getting in from dallas or something like that he, he was okay. uh, playing a concert with um uh the pianist um, that he works with uh talk randy west randy weston mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. popped out of my head right. but he was with randy in uh in dallas and and was just getting back into town so tk is doing good yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And then also Ray Vega, uh, um, uh, one one uh, the CD Palante. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm really proud That's of right. because that you know killing record. Yeah, man, killing <laughs> record. Yeah, I'm really pr- proud of that. That because that, that was like the first time that I played drums on a on a on a recording. Wow. Where, where I felt no, it wasn't the first time, but it was oh, okay. the first time where I felt like my soul was captured. Nice. Okay, okay. The, the way I want to play, right, right, was captured. Right, you guys killed it. Whatever I, you, you know, what I wanted to be as a drummer was realized that on that recording. Yeah, and, and I look back on it very fondly. Yeah, I grew up on all that stuff, so I'm I'm proud, man. Oh, yeah. I, st- I still grow up on it. <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> so it never stops. So subscribe to the podcast, um, and hopefully we'll have Willie back again. I know we're gonna we're, we're I, I probably talk about this at on the end of almost every podcast. And Brevin <laughs> is the first time he's here. This, yes, sir. but we're gonna have a what not to do series, and when that comes out, I know it's gonna be big. But basically, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna just just like a question or two are gonna be proposed, and some of them are done. I mean, we're, we we have a, a we're gonna present them all at the same time, but basically, uh, a great artists and and great people of all different um you know diaspora and of the music and and walks of the music like recording engineers basically are going to answer questions on what not to do (laughs) um and yeah i mean that's going to be hilarious but it's it's already it's already coming together that should come out um this summer and hopefully (laughs) you guys just keep subscribe and you'll you'll find some of this stuff um uh you know to be really interesting and let you know let your friends know and um check out trrcollective.com it's also truthrevolutionrecords.com brevin do you have a website i do not well, i you need can to follow get, him i need to get that together but i'm on facebook and he's on facebook yes <laughs> and he's gonna list that he does this podcast and yes. hopefully he'll be here every other week i'm i'm working on my actually i'm working on my website now so okay all right there we it, go it'll be there soon by the next by the next time we we do this again i should have that together sounds good and like i said i'm, I'm gonna have a better email where you guys can uh uh uh, post your questions or post anything uh, suggestions and um we'll be able to get back to you guys on all that stuff and and maybe have some suggestions we can get some artists and different people in here but um we're going to be taking this show on the road as well and um we'll let you know what we're doing when we're doing it and 
stay posted subscribe truthrevolutionrecords.com and uh willie martinez thank you so much for being here it was my pleasure thanks for having me thank yes, you sir. willie thank much you love. Thanks. Thanks.